Welcome to Mox TV Talk, the podcast where we take a loving, longing look at television and tell you this week, US subscription video giant Netflix announced they're making a sequel to 80s sitcom Full House, imaginatively titled Fuller House. The series will focus on a grown-up and very pregnant DJ Tanner, who has her sister Steph and best friend Kimmy move in with her to help raise her kids. Most of the original cast are returning, including John Stamos, who will reprise his role as Uncle Jesse and produce the series in a vain attempt to be seen as something other than that annoying actor who hung out with the ageing Beach Boys during their Kokomo phase. When will we get that long-awaited sequel to The Cosby Show where Cliff ends up in jail? Have mercy indeed. Since the dawn of time, man has searched far and wide for the best things on TV. What to watch. How to watch. Who's watching what? Free to wear this. VPN that. Plug in and listen to what other people think about what you are and are not watching. It's Mox TV Talk, the podcast, with your host, Steve Mock. I am your host, Steve Mock, and joining me this week, two very special guests. First up is a man who has been fired from more FM radio stations than the second guest, but only just. <laughs> There's still time. <laughs> He's appeared on fewer episodes of the project than the second guest, but only just. <laughs> He's credited as a writer and co-host for The White Room and the other guy from the Guido Hatzis calls, while our second guest has presided over successes like Sam Mack's Single Bed, Lights, Camera, Maction and Wake Up. He's still found time to follow his little-known passion of loot collecting. <laughs> Individually, they possess the powers of any normal human male. Combined, they transform into Foxtel's The B-League, it's Australia's own Jules Schiller and Australian TV royalty, Mr. Sam Mack. Wow. Oh, thank you oh, so much, Fox. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's, can you write my gravestone? That's <laughs> fantastic. Look, eulogies for hire. Yeah. Welcome, Sam. Jules, thank you guys for your time. Absolute yeah. pleasure. Thank you for having us on. I, I feel a little underprepared after that intro. I mean, where do you go from a great Cosby joke? <laughs> I think we've peaked in the first I minute. I that was a great Cosby joke, but thank you. Uh, guys, there is uh, so much happening in television. Now, we know the reason why we have you on Mogs TV Talk, the podcast, is because you are both people who've been on the magical screen in our houses. Yes. Um, you've spent time on the television. And, and thank you for bringing up the white room, which, uh, <laughs> which lasted for two episodes on Channel 7. How's this? When when we got axed as a show, mm. we were rating seven hundred thousand viewers. This is like what, what three or four years and ago. And you know what? That's six hundred. Like, that's six hundred eighty thousand more than Wake Up when I was on <laughs> exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> but it just goes to show, like you know, how certain networks, certain targets are just you know seven hundred thousand on Channel Seven is awful. You know, on other mm. networks, they're they're screaming hallelujah. But uh, yeah, that was a real. That was that was. It was a, such a fun show to do and so disastrous. Well, the, the good news is that if that was on television today, it would be vaunted as a great success. So take some comfort in that if you can. Well, can I, can we I say, will... like, Lawrence Mooney, who was on the show, like, did a, mm. uh, an, an article in The Green Guide recently, asked for his favourite TV moment, and he name-checked The White Room. <laughs> be, because, like, you know how those shows work? You, you, you tape for three hours and they put 40 minutes on the TV. The yeah. three hours that we did, the stuff they cut out was really funny. I've, I've never really had a chance to talk to you about uh, the White Room Jewels. And one of the questions that I've had burning away for at least, how many years ago was it canned? Oh, four. Four six. years ago, right. So considering how casually racist Australians <laughs> are, how did a show called The White Room never actually I connect? Know. Well, it was, <laughs> well, Channel 7 loved it because it was roast chicken television. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you know what? The first ever White Room, because it was shot, the, the original pilot was in 2000, and it was uh, Charlie Pickering was one of the team captains, and Chris Lilly was one of his first ever auditions. Like, it was before he did The Big Bite, and he played a character called Toby Ung. Um who was a Vietnamese performance dancer. And what's he ever gone on to and then failed miserably exactly, from? Exactly, exactly. He never made it to wake up. That's exactly <laughs> right, Sam Mack. Look, we will pick at the scabs of both of those wounds very shortly. Mulk's TV Talk, the podcast. Uh, gentlemen, but first, the news. With the final episode of the Block Triple Threat to air Wednesday night podcast time, Nine have announced they'll go back to basics 
for the second season of the show to air later this year. Just how basic is yet to be seen as the network responds to criticism the franchise has taken a hit with an extended knockout selection process at the start of the series confusing viewers, 90-minute episodes leaving fans fatigued, and wholly unlikable pair Darren and Deanne Jolly returning to compete in the hope they'll make some money this time around. The producers have said casting, challenges and format are all up for grabs in an effort to coax viewers back to Nine's reality former juggernaut. When asked about why they thought fans hadn't flogged back to this series, as before, the person who answered the phone at Nine said, we can't understand why people didn't want to watch endless forward cells and recaps of people (laughs) pitching and painting. We'll fill out shows with so much sizzle, there's barely any time to see the teams actually do any renovating, so how could people say they don't like it? Sam and Jules? Yeah? Is reality television on your landscape at all, gents? Do you watch any of that? Well, I'm just listening to that, and I think, you know, there's a good point going back to basics. I'd like to see the block get back to basics. Much as Pete Evans has done the paleo diet, perhaps we could have a more paleo block (laughs) and just then in in caves, maybe a bit of finger painting with clay, you know, uh, (laughs) maybe hairy backs, that sort of stuff. The answer is, Steve, I I like Survivor. That's probably my favourite reality show, but I... I haven't watched much of the others. I have a few reality shows that I love, and you're not going to believe this, but they're all on Network 10. Um, <laughs> wow. Who would have thought? <laughs> I love The Bachelor. The Bachelor yes. honestly has so much comedy in it, and I guess part of why I love The Bachelor is that comedy isn't presented as comedy. It's presented yeah. as, you know, this person is looking for love, yet you know, there's all these funny things going on around it. I also really enjoyed I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. Again, like I was working on that show. Yeah, you did the fall. Did you ever see Sam's fallout zone, Steve? <laughs> yes, it was brilliant. It was. <laughs> so just to explain for the um, 99.9% of Australia who weren't across what the fallout zone was, <laughs> it was a nightly one-hour live shot of whatever was happening in camp from Africa that I was commentating over. Now, that sounds okay in theory, but the reality of the situation was a lot of the time, you know, the celebrities would go for a walk to the, you know, to the waterfall or whatever. So there was literally one person in camp just, you know, sleeping. <laughs> so, A, it's creepy to watch a celebrity sleep. <laughs> but, We've all done it. But B, how do, you, how do you stretch that out over an hour and make it entertaining? I was watching Melissa DeCourt sleep last night. All you need is a long lens and some camouflage gear. Hands off her detonator. <laughs> Um, hey, no, I, I love the fallout zone. And, yeah, The Bachelor is right. And let me, Sam, I've noticed you're friends with Sam Frost on Twitter. Yes, I yeah, am. she is. Yeah, uh, Sam Frost uh, was the runner-up. Jilted. Yeah, yeah. she was the runner-up in last season of The Bachelor. Um, she's a lovely girl. Yeah, she's, she um, she's good on Instagram if you're interested, <laughs> <laughs> if interested in that. Um, yeah. Well, there's an opportunity for it there for you, Sam, if you wanted to increase your profile, raise your profile. Just attend a couple of soirees with Sam on your arm. <laughs> I don't think it's possible for me to raise my profile anymore, particularly after I hosted um, Lights, Camera, Action, the hit YouTube <laughs> series. I mean, <it's... laughs> that, look, that's very true. And, and for people that haven't seen Lights, Camera, Action, you have missed out, but it's all still on the internet. <laughs> it is. It's, it's yeah. rotting away. It's dusty. It needs some views, please. It's, it's like a good sex tape. It just lurks in there. <laughs> it just lurks. Waiting to come out. Well, it is the tenth anniversary of YouTube, and in no small part, Sam, you have uh, look added to the degradation that has been the content on YouTube. I have, and I'm not sure if if you guys are familiar with. Uh, it got a little bit of airtime over the last few days. The first ever video uploaded to YouTube. It is so boring. It is a piece of shit. It's a guy <laughs> at the zoo pointing out that he's at the zoo and there's giraffes behind him and it goes for a minute. And it, it honestly, I've uploaded something called Cat Almost Plays With Ball, which, <laughs> which stars my white Bermilla rescue cat. What have you done for charity recently? Yeah. Um, my white rescue cat looking at a ball, then looking at the owner, i.e. me, with complete disdain. And that's had about 5,000 views, but it's better than the first ever video uploaded. So, yes, you're right. I have contributed. Have you done much online there, Mox, with, uh, with YouTube? Look, I've done bits in, uh, in various guises. Um, probably the standout that I am most proud of, and I say proud very loosely, was uh, a video analysis of uh, the uh, Jamie's Bunch promo for Top Design that Nine <laughs> ran a couple of years ago. It's You can search that out on YouTube, people. It's me intercut 
um, arguing with the promo as to why the show isn't going to be any good. Oh, I have to check it I out. I like it. Sounds good. It, it was so successful, I never did another one. <laughs> I just like watching animals and people get hit in the nuts. That's mm. YouTube for yep. me. And I'm so surprised that the giraffe wasn't hitting the nuts in that first YouTube <laughs> clip. But my daughter and I, I've got a 10-year-old daughter, we just type epic fail into YouTube and just screen it for hours. Just Yep, it's a time machine. Guys turning their testicles into beer coasters on BMX bikes. That's, <laughs> that's entertainment <laughs> in my book. That or skateboarders where they fall and they get up and you can clearly see that they've broken their arm and it's dislocated the wrong way. As long as, <laughs> as, long as they've done the right thing and there's a wacky sound effect yeah. underneath that. Ahuga! Yeah, that's right. And have a cranky Dave Gibson providing some kind of commentary <laughs> over it. I feel like we've sh- streaked back to the 1990s. Gentlemen, there is more news. Shock emanated from Piermont this week as the Seven Network announced they won't hold their annual Logies after party, a tradition for their stars and desperately al- alcoholic newspaper journos. Citing shrinking budgets and that the decision was driven by efficiencies, Australia's number one TV network will instead make a donation to an upcoming telethon for Ronald McDonald House in their own name on their own network. Stars are being directed to the TV Week foyer after party or whichever other network shindig they can get their way into without (laughs) getting poached. Gentlemen, you've both been to the Logies, yes? Yes. Uh, I've never been invited. I've been there. I've been booted out of the media room once for not taking it seriously. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> true story. But, I've, but Sam, you were invited last year. I went last year. It was last year or the year before. But I, I was actually um, refused entry to, I think, yeah, it was the Channel 9 party. So what happens at the Logies, they have, obviously, the ceremony goes for about three days. And by that point, you know, everyone needs um, something, some sort of, beverage or substance just to you know bring them back to life and a lot of the networks sort of go to one party there's normally one party that's really kicking on and this particular year it was the nine party and I'd been there earlier in the media room which you just mentioned Jules and uh, one of the Madden brothers was in there from Good Charlotte and they had won an award for The Voice and Mm. I recorded a question and it was it was something along the lines of you know hey Sam here from, um, from I think it was Nova at the time I was working with, and I said, guys, congratulations. Um, you know, you must be so proud. And they're like, thank you. Thank you so much. I said, i, I got to say, like, credit where credit's due. The job that you guys did on that KFC commercial was just amazing. <laughs> you deserve every award you get. And, you know, it was a bit of a laugh, and they played along okay, but it meant that word got through that I had, you know, played around with them in, in the media room to the Channel 9 people. So then when I went there later on, and I hate to name drop, with TV's Bondi Vet and uh, TV's Miguel and a few others, they said, you guys come on through. Uh, Sam, sorry, mate, you're not invited. Oh, that was unfair how you cold. treated our talent in the media room. <laughs> wow. Hashtag no regrets. The, the media room <laughs> the media room, the Logies is hilarious because – it is a little bit like the Oscars in that everyone that, I don't know if you've been, Steve, but everyone that wins an award comes to sort of do a press conference. Mm. And the media, as you know, is only really interested in silver, gold, and perhaps the host. I mean, they're, they're the yeah. only people who are going to get some column yes. inches the next day. So when they bring, you know, best documentary or best news report or best new talent. Best soundtrack on yeah, a children's show. Yeah, exactly. There's no <laughs> questions. So I was there with a few other comedians, and we just thought we'd liven things up by asking you know, just, just at least asking something. So when Best New Talent from Neighbours came out, I think it was like a 17-year-old guy, I, I asked what time his mum was picking him up in the Irvine <laughs> after the Logies, <laughs> just for laughs. Yeah. And um, the the organiser said, you're not taking the Logies seriously, which got an even bigger laugh and booted me out. Oh, see, that's unfair. Now, I, I haven't been, let's call it lucky enough, uh, to be uh, allowed to or even invited to come to the Logies at all. I, I don't even fall into an echelon that requires sitting up the back with uh, Paulie uh, from Bogan Hunters. <laughs> but I have been to Subscription Television's Night of Nights. The Astros. Yes. Uh, and the Astros were, look, they were fun and it was interesting. And if you thought that the media room at the Logies was death, <laughs> uh, you haven't been to the wake that was the media room at the Astros because these are all of the people that want to be in the room just because they can sit in the room in, and comfortably uh, and are waiting for the after party. They, they, they no one cares about the people who were the big who the were the big room. winners that year, Moxie? Uh Wentworth, the ladies, a couple of them picked up awards. Um, I think Showcase won Best Channel. 
Uh, and that was the year that Shayna Blaze and Andrew Winter won Best Talent, Male and Female, again. So does Best Talent on Foxtel do a press conference at 6 and then again at 7 and then at 8.30? <laughs> is the Just same about. one at 10.30? bit like that? Yeah. Oh, very much so. In fact, uh, they had – initially they weren't giving us out the list of winners and about 20 minutes, an hour into it, they just sort of started to appear on the tables that we were all ignoring and drinking at. Um, <laughs> and all of a sudden we had the list of winners and we were told, and it was printed at the top, you know, um, embargo can't be published until after 10.30 or whatever time that the thing was meant to finish. And I remember seeing somebody from News Limited just typing up shit, pressing send, and went, oh, shit, I forgot to schedule it. Oh, well, no one's going to read it. <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing the thing I love about the Logies is, like, in the general sort of after-party area, that the, I found the two groups of people who go hardest and stay up longest are ABC Journos and Home and Away and Neighbours stars. So so you, <laughs> yes. you're at Crown at 5am and you'll see Kerry O'Brien talking to the cast of High Five. <laughs> just over, it is... It is just the weirdest grouping of people really late at night. One of my other favourite Logie's memories was um, just like that. We we did kick on quite late and there was a huge lineup to, I think, the only nightclub in Melbourne that was open, at, you know, on a Monday morning or whatever it was at that time. We, our group, used Andy Lee's actual Logie to show the bouncer <laughs> and let him have oh. a selfie with it and that got uh, 12 people into his venue. So, you know what? A lot of people slag them off, but the Logies do have currency. Yes. If only to get into seedy Melbourne nightclubs. <laughs> well, can I can I add to that story? Because as you mentioned, like Tony Moclair and I did the Guido Hatz's character and once mm. to Arias. Once I showed the Aria to try and get into the Aria afters party. So I had an actual Aria and the guy looked at it and it was it was almost he almost looked and said, Oh, comedy? Are you serious? <laughs> Does that really get you into the after party? We should point out, um, so that story makes sense. Jules refers to his penis as the Aria. <laughs> And it's as hard and pointy. <laughs> yes. And Those it's also a grey, right. by the way. Not to scale, FYI. <laughs> There's but one more bit of news, gentlemen. Let us push on. Right. Still on Australian TV's Night of Nights. It's 2015 and the Logies are going live uh, again. <laughs> yes, that institution of all that shithouse about weddings but with celebrities and is televised have, in TV parlance, gone back to basics with broadcaster Nine and concept owner TV Week issuing a joint press release trumpeting the return to 1970s technology. (laughs) We're thrilled. Viewers can see all the action as it really happens and interact with the stars on social media. And that's a direct quote from the press release, by the way. Offered an intern for the TV trash mag. They'll be able to see the stars eat dinner and endlessly go out to the toilets for some reason and in real time... (laughs) And they'll be able to see all those tweets from the night published in our Logie special on stands a week later. (laughs) So this is, I guess, the resolution to controversy that's been for the past five-ish years where the Logies have always been on and and they've gone to air roughly about 40 minutes to an hour after this thing's actually happened uh, in the room. And, of course, with the rise of Facebook and Twitter, uh, people inside the room famously being told now don't tweet and spoil it for everyone which by the time you get to hour five and people are they've imbibed a bit they don't care what's going on they're just tweeting stuff out and all of a sudden everyone knows that Danny Minogue didn't win the gold Logie I mean it's 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 really bizarre because you know when you've ever been on live tv or any tv people are furiously winding you up the whole time and doing those slicing moments across their yeah. throat going, Get, you've got, we've got to go, we've got to go. Yet when they have their own awards, it goes to 1am. <laughs> like it is the greatest irony in television. It's going to be a debacle. Look, I, I do look forward to it because the Logies have tapered off somewhat over the last couple of years from an interest perspective. And I think adding in the fact that it's now live will mean that uh, when Will Anderson tweets um, something disparaging about an act. We'll all be watching that act with him in real time. I think that adds to the viewing experience. And I'm not one of those people, and there's a lot of people, particularly in, in media, who you know are a bit too cool for school and, are oh, the Logies and Naf, they're lame. Like, there's an element of that, but it's also really funny. And it's also, yep. we've, we've had some years, you know, particularly a few years back when McAuliffe hosted or when Denton hosted. Like, there's mm. been some amazing moments. And, you know, particularly if they are heading back to live, like, it's going to be a bit looser, which I think is a good thing. And 
Those those people who slag it off and go, oh, it's lame, it's this, you look how, how suddenly they change their opinion when they win one. <laughs> you know, <laughs> thankfully I've never had to experience that problem. <laughs> but, look, I, I enjoy it. I'll always watch it. I'll always watch it, you know, for good and for bad reasons. But, look, the reality is it's all we've got, so we should embrace yeah. it who, and we should make the most of it. Who's hosting it this year? Uh, it's a broad melange. Again, uh, we're getting people like TV's own Chris Brown, TV's own Julian Morris. Uh, I believe they're not performing together or, or hosting together, but uh, I think Andy Lee's popping up. Scott Cam is going to turn up and do something. Um, there's the prerequisite overseas acts that will <laughs> probably get roped into handout logies and they'll just go, what is this thing? It looks like a dildo. Um, you know, it's, it's a, yeah, a whole bunch of it. If you really want to know, the official press release tells us uh, people including Sonia Kruger, Richard Roxburgh, Walida Lee, Lockie Hume, Shane Jacobson, Jonathan LaPaglia, Dan Wiley, Gracie Gilbert, Mick Malloy, Sylvia Jeffries, oh, and the teaser, and many more. It's, yeah. it's so sad that they don't have a dedicated host anymore, isn't it? That people are just, it's just not worth it. I mean, I I'm, think it's tough. I mean, it, it, it's been dubbed the, the gig of death. Who would want to take that on after so many have gone before and had so much trouble? Yeah. I, I think, you know, once, I mean, obviously when Gretel and Wendy Harmer did it, it was, you know, the backlash was probably unfairly huge. Very much so. And even when, I mean, I was surprised when Letterman hosted the Oscars and got panned. You know, if, if, if mm. someone like he, he he can't get sort of credit for hosting, then, I, you know, no one can really, can they? Well, the, the only people that could probably do any justice to any of it, I mean, even with Neil Patrick Harris hosting the Oscars this year, he copped, uh, and I, I'd have to say reasonably, um, some some criticism over the, the writing and the choice of jokes and those sorts of things. He just sort of seemed out of his depth. Tina Fey and Amy Poehler could host the opening of a casket and uh, get five stars. Yeah, unbelievable. And it would be stunning if they could somehow get their heads out of their butts and decide, no, no, we don't need Megan Trainer. Let's get some absent, actual talent to come <laughs> and, and do something on the Logies. <laughs> Follow Malk on Twitter at Malk's TV Talk. Now, gentlemen, given that the Logies are all but upon us, in fact, podcast time, they are this Sunday night. 7 o'clock is the edited together red carpet um, special hosted by uh, Nine's own Richard Wilkins and Shelley Craft. Uh, then from 7.30 live on Nine, you'll be able to see the Logies in all of its live glory. Uh, and we're looking forward to that. But uh, we don't have Hey Hey anymore to, to run frozen chickens down a chute to try and work out who's going to win some of these categories. So I thought I would throw it to both of you. If we could just, we'll look at five categories. Yeah. Who yeah. you think is going to win. Great. Uh, and you'll be held to account for this next week. I like okay, it. great. Yeah, I like cool. being held to account. Let's go. So we're calling this pick a winner. Okay. The first uh, that we're looking at, most outstanding drama series, and the nominees are The Code from ABC, Janet King, ABC, Puberty Blues, Network 10, Rake, ABC, and Wentworth on Soho. Okay, I'll take that one. Um, obviously, uh, Puberty Blues. Oh, <laughs> Network, Network 10. 10. Oh, yeah, of course. And because it's got uh, pube in it and, as well. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to say pubes <laughs> on a podcast. It's something. It's one of my career aspirations, so thank you for giving me the opportunity, guys. Uh, I've obviously seen every episode of all of those series, and it has to be Puberty Blues. Oh, oh, for me, I'd like to see Wentworth win, just bringing back, you know, Prisoner, it's just, you know, it's, I, I think it's great. I just, you know, I love, probably more because I love Prisoner more than I love Wentworth, although Wentworth is very good. But I just, I'd love to see a show like that get up. Yeah, I agree. I think that it's, both of your selections are understandable for their, for their various uh, motivations. Um, I just want to point out quickly for those that aren't sure, I did omit to say this earlier, the Logies for international listeners. Uh, like the Emmys, but somehow shitter. Um, <laughs> we're still not sure how, and if we could franchise Can you, can you do a version of that for um, Jules and I, for international <laughs> listeners? I mean, I'm sure a lot of them have seen my Cat Almost Plays With Ball video on YouTube, but for those who aren't familiar... It's uh, for the Cat Who Plays... It's, it's like Game of Thrones, but somehow shitter. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> The other thing I wanted to throw in is the most outstanding categories that we're talking about are peer voted. So these are people that are considered uh, experts or involved in in the the business as opposed to most popular, which is 
um, us three endlessly texting uh, or filling out online voting forms, which those in the network PR may have done possibly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So fair enough. Most outstanding drama series, it's a toss up between Puberty Blues or Wentworth. Most outstanding entertainment program. The nominees are Bogan Hunters, Seven Mate, The Chasers Media Circus, ABC, The Checkout, ABC, Sean McAuliffe's Mad as Hell, ABC, and The Voice, Nine Network. Uh, I'll take that one. Hate to pull you up on your own podcast, but you missed one there. You forgot Wake Up. <laughs> oh, um, I did too. That's okay. We, all make, we all make mistakes, like taking the gig. Um, <laughs> no, look, I, I'd have to say 100% mad as hell. Uh, I'm a huge Sean McAuliffe fan. Uh, I think, in, in all honesty, he is our best ever comedic performer, in my opinion. I mean, we've had mm. a lot of great comedic performers, but Sean McAuliffe, particularly over the last year or two with mad as hell, have absolutely nailed it. Um, some of the best Australian satire that has ever existed, in my opinion. Uh, so, yeah, Sean McCullough for that one for me. Uh, Mike, so I'm going to have to agree with Sam, mad as hell. It's, it's improved every year, and this year it had probably its best year. It was just simply outstanding. Mm. I mean, it is to satire what celebrity splashes to slightly overweight guys <laughs> bella flopping into, <laughs> into swimming pools. It just, just makes a massive splash. It is no, it's a great show, and uh, I, it, I would be very surprised if Mad as Hell doesn't win that category. And I just want him to win for his, to see him do an acceptance speech. Exactly. You know, that, yeah. That's what yeah. it's all about. And you can hold me to account if it doesn't win, and both of us hold us to account. I like that because I'm just seeing some sort of mistress in, like, thigh-high stilettos with a wig <laughs> holding me to account. <laughs> can you not talk about flash. Gina Reinhardt like that? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. The social you, you're name checking Channel Ten all the time, and now you're quite happy to have a stab at Tina Reinhardt. <laughs> Who said that was a stab? <laughs> that was on the Christmas card from Ted last year. Um, now I, I'm concerned. First of all, though, I agree. By the way, I think the Mad as Hell has got to be a dead cert. Season five this year was stunning, and it's a a, a shame that finance within the ABC budget has meant we're not getting two seasons this year as we've had before, but entertainment program? Why is it not listed in the comedy program? Yeah, I actually didn't even consider that. Like, it's ridiculous, mad as hell, being in the same category as The Voice, isn't it? Oh, uh, and Bogan Hunters. And Bogan Bogan Hunters. Which which won last year. I know. Well, that's probably one of the biggest shocks of the whole year. Paulie Fennick was sitting up on one of the very back tables, and I was talking to a TV insider recently, and they said, yeah, yeah, he was on the table next to us. And when we came in, we thought, right, we're on the kids' tables. It's just mucking around up here. Uh, and when when it was announced that Bogan Hunters won, not only did the spotlights have to find him and the cameras have to seek him out, but they all went, oh, shit, our table's half empty. It's going to look really bad on television. Um, but that didn't seem to be a big problem because he sort of raced down in his very sponsored um, suit jacket uh, with Kev, and they said, you know, we're really happy, and they, they was about the size of it. Stick it to the man, Paulie, and off he went. Exactly. There's more to come, guys. Most outstanding comedy program, given that it's not McAuliffe. Yeah. The nominees are Black Comedy, ABC, Legally Brown, SBS1, Please Like Me, ABC2, Upper Middle Bogan, ABC, Utopia, ABC. I think it has to be um, Legally Brown. Waleed Ali was brilliant. Um, <laughs> he, was. he just really nails it yeah. every time. I'm such a fan oh. of his. <laughs> no, Nazim Hussain, uh, I'm also a fan of, and uh, he did a terrific job with that. Some really funny bits in there. I know uh, Ronnie Chang, who I'm a huge fan of mm. as well, uh, was involved. Uh, I'd love to see those guys pick that one up. Um, yep. I'd probably say it's hard. I really like Legally Brown, and Nazim's work is, you know, and definitely live is fantastic. I'd... Utopia, I reckon, will win. I just just kind of think that, it, you know, it's such a high-profile show, had such a good cast, Celia Picola and Limo Luke McGregor did really and, well yeah, in it, Limo. our mate Limo and uh, uh, Rob, Rob Sitch. You could just Rob Sitch play satire all day. So yeah. I, I reckon yes. Utopia will pick that one up. See, it's an interesting situation because for mine, every one of those five comedies is deserving of the Logie. Yeah. Like, for all of the reasons that we, Utopia was a great return for Working Dog, Season two this year is going to be amazing. You're right. The cast they have is great. Same for Upper Middle Bogan. Like, that was such a strong uh, setup from uh, Robin Butler and Wayne Hope. And the casting for that also, Patrick Brammel, killer. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of them, the ladies, uh, what's her name? Uh, Michaela. 
Bannis. Um, Bannis, stunning. Like, just so good. Please like me, Josh Thomas's um, comedy, brilliant as well. Nazim, great. Black comedy was out of the books, uh, outrageously good. So that, that could go e- either way for mine. But fair call. I appreciate you guys singling out your friends just to gain some <laughs> Yeah, just in, in, in an attempt to get work. Yeah. Most, Sam's attempting to get on Legally Brown. Yeah, I'm getting a spray tan as we speak. Hey, look, if Luke McGregor can be on Legally Brown and on Utopia, there's hope for you guys yet. Yeah, That's exactly. true. Luke McGregor is Utopia. <laughs> Most outstanding sports coverage, and there is an omission here that we will talk about shortly, the 2014 Melbourne Cup Carnival, the Seven Network. 2014 FIFA World Cup, SBS1, KFC T20 Big Bash League, Network 10, Super Cheap Auto Bathurst 1007 Network, 2014 Toyota AFL Grand Final, 7 Network. I'll put my hand up early and say uh, KFC Big Bash on Network 10 for that one. That's um, good. So I <laughs> did a terrific job. Actually, one, one night uh, I did a cross for the guys uh, where they cross out to a, um, a viewer to their house and mm. they're watching they're watching the coverage of the the game and they can win oh. KFC buckets into their living room. So yeah, <laughs> Have I mentioned yeah, KFC yeah. enough? Um yeah, no, I think uh that look some obviously we're big football fans uh, having worked on the B League together. I think the World Cup was was fantastic once again. What do you think, Jukes? I'm going to go um the World Cup. I mean, it's it's Les Murray's last hurrah, mm. Steve, and if there's mm. any sentiment in television a guy who's who started in a Hungarian rock band clad in leather pants and, went, <laughs> and finished in the same and thing. Finished in the same thing. He's probably playing. <laughs> he's probably playing in some goulash uh, infected restaurant at the moment. But I, I think that I would love to see uh, Les pick up that award for his final time. I actually, I'm going to change my. I'm going to go oh, against the grain here. Yeah, I'm going to after that sell from Jules Schiller. <laughs> I'm going to say I'd love to see Les Murray win as well. We're both uh, football fans from way back and. Les is an icon of television and of the game of football. So to see him up there and to hear him end the Logies at 8 a.m. the next morning by saying, from the world game, good (laughs) night, would be a beautiful, beautiful piece of television. Exactly. At any world event, that you know that 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 has pitbull kick it off. Oh, Mr. Worldwide. Mr. Worldwide (laughs) just deserves an award right there. Oh, look, in a trademark backflip from Sam Mack, I think that's a, a fair call. I think the only omission for mine in the the nominees is that the nines nines coverage of the cricket hasn't been nominated, given the obvious. Uh, there's a, definitely going to be a tribute already planned for Richie Benno. Yeah, uh, given he passed recently, uh, but that you know this is nines gig, and they didn't even get one sport nomination. Well, have you ever noticed this? I've always felt that the Logies seems to have like a year and a year and a half lag. It's like yes. And again, like I know this is going to sound like I'm talking up a Channel Ten personality <laughs> <laughs> because I am. But Carrie Bickmore needs to have a gold logie, and I don't know if we're going to get to that category, Mox. But um, it always seems to be like a little bit after that's been the big hysteria around them that they'll win the thing. So I think maybe you know maybe next year they'll they'll win something along those lines. But um, yeah, do you find that that there is a bit of a lag with things? Yeah, definitely, Sam. I think that the you know that there is like when people talk about a style or a type of music dictating a decade, it, it's not you know that music or that style didn't start say you know in the nineties. It didn't start nineteen ninety ninety one and carry through. It's sort of the middle of the decade. You know, when we talk about grunge reflecting the nineties, grunge really rose through that early part, but didn't take hold until ninety four ninety five. Uh, and all of that reflected, and that then carries on through the next decade when the next transformation happens, you know, in the early 2000s and so on and so forth. I think that TV is a little bit quicker than that, but, yeah, I, I definitely think that's the case. It's an excellent segue It is. Well, you, could, though. Before you go, do you think that and the omission of the cricket was just trying to keep warning out of the Logies? <laughs> because, <laughs> you guys thirsty? Yeah, you guys thirsty? <laughs> then it'd be sexting Aiden Nakodamu. It'd just, it'd just be... <laughs> Nikodumi. Nikodumi. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> So I, I reckon there might have been an ulterior motive there, Mokes. Uh, look, I, and I hope so. I mean, the last thing we want to hear is Shane Warne say the word Elmer Loglu. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, there's a lot going on. But no, you did bring up, Sam, this is vital, the gold Logie. Now, this is considered the most popular personality on Australian television. Mm. This is public voted. This is uh, yep. absolutely a popularity contest. The nominees are Carrie Bickmore. Yeah. 
Hamish Blake, Scott Cam, Asher Keddy, Andy Lee, and Steve Peacock. Oh, look, I'll... Oh, look, my heart says... No, actually, my heart and head says Carrie will win. Um, she's been, you know, she's... I'd say she's been close the last few years. Obviously, Hamish and Andy, they haven't really been on the TV lately. Not that she has, but, you know, she's just had a baby. She's mm. she's done the project for so long. She's held that show together. Um, and, yeah, I, I just, I don't know, everything's... The planet seems seem to be aligning for Carrie this year for me. Yeah, okay. Well, the fact that... And you probably know this at Jules that I have a Brax tattoo on my midriff means that it's tough for me to go past Steve Peacock. But um, I'm also going to say Carrie Bickmore for that one. What do you think, Moxie? Uh, look, I-, I honestly think it's a little bit tough. There's some cancelling out happening uh, mm. in that Carrie and Asher are going to split that vote. Mm. I think that Hamish and Andy are going to split each other's vote. And that then does come down to Steve Peacock versus Scott Cam. And I think that the. The draw of Cam is too long and large. It looms over the Logies after his win last year. That uh, that little bottle opener that he's got at home now needs a buddy. <laughs> well, I don't want to start a smear campaign on Scott Cam, but I'm going to drop a bit of a bombshell here for you guys. Mm. Um, I learned this fact a couple of years ago working mm. in radio, and it hasn't been too widely publicised. His real surname is not Cam. <gasps> really? Yeah, I don't know if you have some sort of bombshell sound effect you can play, Mox, but... Um, his real surname is Caminetti, and I'm not making this up. So I did a lot of detailed research when I was writing an introduction for him when he was on our radio show a few years ago in Perth, and, you know, we made a joke about it, and we said, you know, Mamma Mia, Italiano, oh, fantastic. Really? Yeah. Doing, doing the old cultural stereotypes? <laughs> Who would have thought FM radio would go that All part? of that. I was flipping pizza bases in the studio, um, and he didn't enjoy it at all. He, he actually wow. made a point of... Of saying to us, yeah, guys, but like I'm Aussie, like I'm I'm an Aussie bloke, you know, Scott Cam, Scotty Cam, like you know, yeah, that's like a few generations back. Yeah, I'm a Cam and Eddie, but but essentially I'm Scotty Cam. So, yeah, there you go. There's a, there's some intel for you. Um, vote Steve Peacock. <laughs> <laughs> and at that point, did he then say, look, if I have to prove how Aussie I am, I'll get my mate Nick Giannopoulos on the phone, and he can tell you <laughs> that I'm as Aussie as they come, like he is. Yeah, Nicky G. <laughs> Scotty K. Um, well, I didn't know that. So he's um, he's from an Italian background, mm-hmm. really. Look, nothing wrong with that. Like, yeah. you know, fantastic. But I, all I'm saying is just be aware that when he does the whole kind of I'm an Aussie bloke at the bar, chippy, yeah. you know, and he also owns a few multi-million dollar properties. Like, I don't have a problem with Scott Cam. Like, yeah, I wish him all exactly. the best. But just be aware of who you're voting for, Steve Peacock <laughs> or Carrie. I'm starting to see it's a remake of The Sopranos. <laughs> Yeah. Scotty Cam in the car driving across the Harbour Bridge from the North Shore, just going to work. And, you know, the music comes up underneath it. And the first scene is Sam McMillan with a ball gag in his mouth, nearly crying, <laughs> and just a bunch of other tradies standing around and one of them with a gun to his head. Look, if we're trying to get Carrie to win and giving out bits of information and giving mm, them yeah, reasons do it, not to yes, vote, Steve it. Peacock, uh, you know, I've I know like a close relative of him, one of his favourite things to do when he gets home, he'll often open a beer. He'll open a beer uh, and uh, fill up a bucket and drown Labrador puppies. <laughs> really? One of his favourite really? The cutest Labrador puppies All right, well, He while, holds them under okay. until they're dead. While we're on this topic, I heard this and it was through an internet forum and you can always trust them, is that Hamish and Andy were the people who, just through the two of them, got the white room cancelled. So, <laughs> oh, I don't know if you want to wow. support them. <laughs> There'll be an uprising. Guys, I'm just taking notes. This is Peter Ford will love this stuff. <laughs> it's Caminetti, E double T I. Gosh. Uh, well, okay, so if you've just tuned in, you missed everything because I had to cut it all out. That became libelous. <laughs> um, oh, what am I saying? Nobody listens to the podcast anyway. For the three people that did, let us know what Scott Cam's real name is. <laughs> M O L K. Mulks TV Talk. Look, now, Sam and Jules, as part of the thing, we'd like to get to know a little bit about you guys and who you are. Uh, maybe just, you know, amongst yourselves. What's your earliest memory of, uh, of TV? TV, wow. Um, I, I think the first time, well, the first TV I ever did, 
I mean, we, we're discounting sex tapes here, like, <laughs> like, uh, well, however you, how, whichever medium it was broadcast. Tell them about the uh, Aria. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, so, now, I reckon the first TV I ever did was a Fox 8 show. I'll, I'll, maybe it was a comedy show. It was called The Sunday Roast. It was mm-hmm. uh, hosted by Matthew Hardy, and it was like a talk show they had on, on Foxtel. But my first ever, like, live, you know, big appearance was on the panel. Um, of course, you know, a working dog show. And yes. I just, I just, I just remember like, you know, you, you kind of, it was just terrifying. I remember like having some bourbon, like in a mug before I went on. Uh, and then I just told everyone I love them and then told Ropsies to fuck off. And then I, yeah, great, that was a great, great first segment. Yeah, was. Uh, but I remember that thing, like, you know, when you're in a TV studio and obviously that was a very popular show at the time and you go on and you do it and you do okay. And then you know, two hours later, you're back at your flat and you're eating two-minute noodles and you think... Crying like, yourself to sleep. Crying, having a cry wank, you know, <laughs> watching yourself on television while you're doing yeah. it, which is even sadder. Slurring the words, I once won an aria. <laughs> so, so it is a real... It really screws with your head, TV, because, you know, for the time you're on at that light, you, you, you know, you think it's everything's changed, your life's going to change, you're on television, and then you realise you're just kind of a bit vainer and slightly sadder <laughs> when you finish. Well, I'm, I'm not as self-absorbed as Jules, so my <laughs> first memories of TV aren't me being on it. Um, TV did exist before oh. that fact. Um, my first memories <laughs> of TV... I'm sorry! <laughs> my first memories of TV were um, as a young youngster in Adelaide watching the football coverage, and we mentioned him earlier in the podcast, unless, unless it's been edited out for legal reasons, uh, Les Murray. He would occasionally, maybe like three or four times a year, he would come to Adelaide and go to Highmarsh Stadium to present like the game of the round or the match of the day for SBS. And yeah. I prided myself on knowing where to strategically place myself to ensure that I was a part of that coverage. So I would have my mum recording it on a VHS so that when I got home from the game, I would, and this is how vain I was as like a nine, 10 year old, I would press pause, still advantage to see the frame where I'm in the background of a Les Murray shot. <laughs> I was obsessed with just being well, so on the TV. So this is about you being on TV, <laughs> all right? <laughs> so nothing really has changed? No, it's just us talking about ourselves on television. It's not talking about the, the whole genre of TV at all. It's only when it relates to us. What's, what's your favourite television when you do get the chance to unwind or the thing that you obsess about? What's your favourite show? You know, bizarre thing, my favourite show and a show that I can't stop watching is Air Crash Investigation. I, there's something about that show. Bring on the lols. <laughs> because I just, I just love, there's something about, it's the pointless communication between the pilot and air traffic control as the plane mm. is going down. And, you know, like the, 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 the cabin might be filled with smoke, both engines had exploded. And all the air traffic control guy could keep saying is you're clear to land on runway yeah. 24 when they're obviously not going to land. <laughs> I, I, there's just something about air crash investigation. And bizarrely enough, I used to be a little bit of a nervous flyer, but continually watching every show of that has actually stopped that. I've got, uh, I guess, a top three. Like in terms of you know shows that I love the most, it's so hard to separate them. At number three... I'd say Curb Your Enthusiasm. I'm a huge Larry David fan. I mean, I love Seinfeld, but I think the Curb shows just go that little bit darker, um, and I think Larry is brilliant. So that's three. Number two, and I watch this almost every week in some capacity, is The Office UK version, Ricky Gervais. I just think that's perfect in terms of a sitcom. And number Mm -hmm. one, and this was something that not a lot of people maybe watched or are across, but I don't know, something about it just always makes me come back to it and, and view little bits of it again. And it was um, called Wake Up. It was on um, Network yeah, 10 was, it, for about six months. Often mentioned in the same sentence as The Office UK is Wake <laughs> Up. Hey, can, can, can I say one more show? Yeah. Uh, one, a great show. And it was on Channel 10. And this will even test you, I think, Molks. Do you remember a show called Chains of Love? <laughs> yes. Do you remember it? Yeah. It was a reality show where it was the people were chained. It was like a massive human charm (laughs) bracelet where people were chained to each other. Yeah. And the girl would (laughs) go on dates with a guy while chained together. And contestants were eliminated via a locksmith, a guy who wore a gimp mask and came in with a key. It's, you know what? It's it's like a PG version of the human centipede. Google it. Google Chains of Love. It's probably my favourite reality show. And the human centipede.
Yes, well, don't do. You might need to have sort of the child filter on for one of those, <laughs> um, depending on what you what you do. It's always interesting to ask people what their favorite shows are because I think for mine it reveals um, a lot about who they are and their interests and those sorts of things. Uh, I want to, um, I guess, endorse Jules. You know, yeah, that air crash investigations thing. I think there's always those kinds of weird shows that some something just pushes a button with you. Uh, and for mine, uh, there was. Um, uh, a TV show on True TV in America that I think pops up on um, uh, Seven Mate here called Operation Repo, yeah. which I was desperately in love with. Now, the premise is it's this uh, repossession company. They specialize in cars run by this guy, his uh, sister, who is a fairly large Latina woman, uh, his daughter, his brother, his sister's ex-husband, and his best mate. They all work for this repossession company. And I just loved it. I, I would watch it each week. There'd be crazier and crazier people looping out. It was a reality-style kind of doco-ish TV thing. And then uh, somebody said to me once, you know it's not real. Like, what? Are you serious? I did some research, and it's, yeah, they're all actors. It's a premise of a show that they uh, you know put together uh, where names have been changed to protect the innocent. Stuff may or may not have happened. It's just effectively this really shitty you know, drama about this family who go and repossess cars and boats and stuff. My, my uh, favourite part about this story is that you are allegedly the TV expert for Australia, <laughs> yet you couldn't work out that this wasn't an actual documentary. I know. It's shameful. Well, I was talking, to, I was talking to a cable guy, uh, a guy who sort of works in the industry in the States, and he was saying that the big trend in the States is white trash television, like oh, moonshiners, yep. like, you know, just Pickers. Sort of anything yeah. like that. You know, and it hasn't really – I don't know if it's hit here. I mean, you know, I don't know if a show like Bogan Hunters could ever win a Logie. Oh, wait. <laughs> that was a really bad story. <laughs> but it is amazing how, like, you know, like we have this kind of highbrow drama going on with House of Cards and Orange is the New Black, but at the same time everyone's just watching White Trash and Bogans. <laughs> oh, Duck Dynasty is one of the biggest, uh, most regularly watched programs for the, from that live, you know, reality doco kind of stuff. Um, and it's about a bunch of redneck millionaires now who make duck calls, allegedly. <laughs> you know, it's it's crazy talk. Now, Sam, you brought it up, so it's fair game now. Um, I want to, first of all, congratulate you on your time on Wake Up. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Because uh, you made it right to the end, and not many people did that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've, I've read a couple of, like, you know, on the internet there's a lot of rumours. Like, I read mm-hmm. some some rumours saying that the show had been axed, but, like, I've been waiting to do another cross from the fish markets. And I, <laughs> I haven't had a call for a while now, so I'm, I'm getting a little worried. Like, when is that next live cross going to happen? Um, look, hashtag no regrets. Um, <laughs> great bunch of people. Really enjoyed yeah. it. Um, just wasn't the time and place. You know, these things happen. You know, it's, it's a long career. Just ask Jukes. He's been in the industry for 39 years. Um, started when he was 37. So, look, you've just got to keep at it in this biz. Yeah, totally. I, I, I mean this legitimately. You had probably the widest brief of anybody uh, when it came to television because you weren't the weather girl. You know, you weren't the, I'm going to go to a nice shiny place and we're going to talk about the weather as an out for my segment. It'll be, here's Sam Mack, who's, uh, you know, sort of keeping us in touch with what's happening around the place. And I think was it your first, your first cross, you just, just walked around, you know, the top end of Manly and you ended up going into some couple's house. Yeah, I went into a, a house of uh, an elderly couple, John and Sandra, and this wasn't planned. I know a lot, a lot of the time people think TV, it's, it's all organised, but we genuinely met them 15 minutes before the cross and said, what are you guys doing? And they said, oh, well, we just live up there. We were just going for a walk along the beach. And then I said, can we come into your place and, um, and do a cross? And they said, sure. And we went in there and we ended up doing a couple of crosses and and I got them to do a review of the first show of Wake Up. It was so funny. <laughs> and I think they told... Um, uh, Tash Belling, she was wearing too much makeup, <laughs> and they told um, James he needs to shave, and it was great. They just gave some honest feedback. Um, yeah, I, I was pretty lucky in the sense that the guys sort of producing the show were pretty trusting in me and said, "Look, you know, muck around, have some fun. We're not expecting a standard kind of you know live weather cross or anything like that." So, I, I mean, you know, I joke about it nine times if you do the count over this podcast, but I have no 
problem with the fact that I worked on it and, you know, great people worked on it and I'm glad that I worked on it because I actually learned quite a bit and had some fun and, you know, like TV is a tough industry and, and mm-hmm. sometimes um, things don't connect straight away. So that means that you don't get uh, much of a chance and, and that happens. So you just have to accept that and, and hope that the next opportunity, you know, you get a bit longer to, to work it out. But yeah, great bunch of people and really enjoyed it. I remain uh, steadfastly behind the opinion that I shared while the program was on, that it was a show that was a lot of fun, very clear there was a lot of people working very hard to make that go and to to try and, you know, uh, turn it into a you know, a, a valid, uh, you know, not that it wasn't, but, you know, when it's competing with Today and Sunrise, which are uh, almost sketch, uh, scribed into people's, you know, we have to watch breakfast television, they're the only two that exist. Yeah. And you drop it, a new product in, that's tough. It is, absolutely. I mean, you've got to consider that, you know, there's this sort of 300, 400,000 people watching those shows and have been watching them for a long time, and, and Channel 10 doesn't have a history in terms of a breakfast show. So to suddenly expect that within a few months, 250,000 people are going to go, oh, there's a new show, I better watch that. It's it's kind of unrealistic. So, you know, it, it happened and, um, you know, I've still got my wake-up tattoo, which, you know, yeah. maybe was a bad idea at the time, but... <laughs> well, I've got, I've got a wake-up tattoo. In, did you? <laughs> I've got a wake-up t- 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 tattoo as well. Unfortunately, it's the words Paul Henry on each butt cheek. <laughs> I'm a real traditionalist when it comes to 10 breakfast. <laughs> You know that he's now got his own breakfast radio crossover program back at home in New Zealand, don't Has you? Has he? Yeah. Is, is it working? No. <laughs> but he's got it. Okay. Uh, it's Paul Henry, his star will continue to fade. Um, <laughs> the One of the things that you did, Sam, on Wake Up that I'm not sure enough people saw, uh, you were involved in the, the great, um, it was Ida, wasn't it? The great Ida heist. Yes. Oh. Do you want to tell us about that? Yeah, so that was in the first, I think it was in the first couple of weeks of the show. So obviously Studio 10 was the show that was on after Wake Up. It's still existing. And uh, Ida Buttrose, former Australian of the Year. iconic no regrets. Iconic figure in Australian uh, media, was um, on the show on Wake Up, which was a shot in Manly. Uh, and that's about, I guess, you know, in traffic, probably a 45, 50-minute drive back to Piermont where the Studio 10 studio was, and there wasn't that sort of time. I think they had like, a, well, they had maybe like 40 minutes or so, and they wanted to get her back on time. So they said, you know, we'll get you out on a boat, on a little ferry, and uh, get across and then get a car, and, and she'll get there just on time. It was probably the worst day weather-wise <laughs> that Sydney has encountered. And, and I'm saying this considering we just had the Sydney Storms, as it was called on Network 7. Um, the The problem was... We we actually um, were so affected by the weather that the boat basically just stopped. Like the boat stopped in the middle of, you know, heading from Manly over to the, the wharf that we're heading to, to to get out of that area. And we were kind of stranded at sea. And, and it sounds dramatic, <laughs> but we were. And like I sort of joked about it at the time, but we were stranded at sea for 28 minutes. Um, but eventually, we, you know, we couldn't we couldn't sell our story like Todd and Brandt. It wasn't that level. But Koshy didn't meet us, which would have been weird because he's on the other network. Um, we we got to the end, and and I actually formed a real bond with Ita over that experience, and and became kind of like weirdly almost friends with her from that experience and kept in contact. No, no, certainly not. (laughs) Certainly didn't go down that path. I didn't show her your aria. (laughs) But, yeah, it was a a bizarre experience. And I guess, look, it made some fun TV. So, And that's what I liked about it. They were okay with if things got a little bit weird or a little bit loose, they would sort of run with it and trust that it would work itself out. It was very much that. And you're right, it was loose. It It was very interesting because not only, uh, and this is what made it great TV, so all this is going on, there's a crew on the boat with you that's beaming back pictures. Uh, the hosts of the two shows are crossing to you to find out where Ida is. Uh, and the delightful thing was I think that there was a, a understanding that Ida is a fairly big name signing to 10 and being involved with Studio 10. She's a valuable asset. Here she is out there in the middle of the harbour in a pretty rank storm in a boat that's just going nowhere. Um, it, it became, you know, Sydney's own... Tropical cyclone. <laughs> <laughs> there has been a cyclone either, hasn't there? Yes. Yeah. Not long after that happened. I mean, the great credit is that, you know, like great television moments, people are still talking about it. And by people, I mean the three of us. <laughs> yes. Uh, it, it, it will regale many for years, and by many I mean you, and years <laughs> I mean for the next week. 
<laughs> Jules, while we're talking about the joys of television, you mentioned before about the project, uh, the panel. You know, you've done that. You've done a whole bunch of stuff for the project, as has Sam. Um, what's what's that moment like for you and Tony when someone says to you, "Hey, you guys, we want to give you your own show." Well, it, it, like that White Room show was was based on a pilot we did back in, I think it was two thousand, which was sure. gen- generally a funny pilot. Like I said, the people were. Um, it was Charlie Pickering. I think he'd just come off Triple J Drive. It was Chris Lilly who had sort of sent in a tape um, of, of some impersonations. So this is before he sort of went on to Big Bite. Um, there was Terry Siakas on there. There was Matthew Hardy. There was a lot of lot – of, and so we did a show. It was produced by Todd Abbott who, you know, you might – you know, did a lot of Roy and HG stuff. He's a brilliant producer, mm. does Please Like Me Now. Mm. And it was a – like a surrealist type of TV show. It was a show loosely about TV, but it wasn't at all really. It was just people telling jokes. Channel mm. 7 did that thing back in 2000 when they said, we want to make a young show, we want to make a hip show, we want to make something different. And then when they saw the pilot said, oh, it's a bit too young, it's a bit too hip, it's a bit too different. <laughs> but, uh, so they didn't do it, but it, was, but it was such a high-quality pilot that I think it always sort of stuck around. Todd Abbott and those guys then went from that panel show, ironically, to do Spicks and Specs. What a, on, on the ABC. Nobody knows what that is. <laughs> exactly. So it always sort of, Seven, I think, always thought, well, you know, the panel show can work. It's produced mm. by the right people. And so I think they thought, oh, well, let's, let's do it again. How did you find out that it was Axe? Because I always find no, that, this that is, interesting. This, no, this is the pilot. Yeah, so, but it did a couple of episodes on yeah, the air. So, so then they brought it back in, I think it was, oh, was it 09, 010? Mm-hmm. And it was, right. it was with the same producer. So Todd Abbott did it, and we had Lawrence Mooney, Dave Thornton, Felicity Ward, like, you know, really good comic mm-hmm. talent there. And, again, it was going to, like, we had segments like uh, Topsy Turpy where we would show <laughs> uh, clips of Ian Turpy upside down <laughs> that people had to guess what show it was from. Like, it was completely ridiculous. <laughs> Then Seven wanted to make it just a straight TV quiz show and put it at 7.30 for an hour, which have you ever seen Saving Private Ryan, Mokes? Yes. You know that scene where the boat lands on the shore and the door drops and everyone gets machine gunned instantly and doesn't even get a chance to get onto the beach? (laughs) I'm familiar with it. That's the equivalent of putting some sort of comedians on at Channel 7 at 7.30. (laughs) That was the television equivalent of it. Like, there is no way you can get a million viewers a night uh, doing a show like that unless you stick it sort of at 9.30 for half an hour. So mm. even though, you know, Lawrence and da- everyone did a good show, just it was, it was the Saving Private Ryan moment. If it's any consolation, there is an entry on Wikipedia about it. Okay. Uh, and it says this. The White Room is an Australian trivia game show series aired on the Seven Network on 11 February 2010 until cancelled after two episodes on 18 February 2000. <laughs> it was hosted by Tony Moclair and Julian Schiller. That's it? That's it? Oh, <laughs> man, you made it to Wikipedia. Just be happy. The little victories. <laughs> you got away clean, man. We did. And I, I was kind of, I think everyone was a bit relieved when it was cancelled just because it was going, you know, in a weird direction. And, and you look at, if you have a show with Lawrence Mooney and Dave Thornton and Felicity Ward and, and George McEncrow and all these sort of comedians who are sort of slightly alternative, it's, it's not going to, you know, it's not Channel 7, 730. It was never going to work. But it's the quality no Chris of the people, Lilly and Andrew O'Keefe. And what? <laughs> it's no Chris Lilly and Andrew O'Keefe. No, it's not. But, yeah, but, look, I'll stand by, like Sam says, I mean, it was great fun to work on, you know, it had Declan Fay writing and Carl Ooh. Chandler and He's Tommy so De- good, Declan. Very Man. funny guys, like, yeah. It had all the talent for a really out there, like, full-on show. So, you know, if it was at 10.30 at night, it would have been friggin' awesome. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick my neck out and say that that is something that we do really well that's thoroughly uh, overlooked, I think, is that our comedic writing talent when it comes to television it's a very small pool, you know. We see The Daily Show get up and, and accept an Emmy Award and 50 people get on stage uh, when, they, you know, well, I want to get the writer's room up here and, you know, all of those jerks get on on stage. Absolutely, yeah, I agree. I think that, um, well, it's, it's you know, it's not just uh, an Australia-specific thing. It's, it's worldwide. Like, writers don't get the credit they deserve a lot of the time. Like, even 
again, I'm mentioning a Channel Ten show, but uh, <laughs> um, but working with I'm a Celebrity, get me out of here. Like a, a yeah. lot of the a lot of the reviews were really favourable of Chris and Julia, you know, the hosts who you know had some really funny moments, and I think did a terrific job. Knowing the guys who were writing their stuff, uh, Michael Chamberlain and uh, Matt Lovkus, yep. um, you can understand why. Like they deserve just as much credit as a host get because they're creating that universe. So. Yeah, yes. I agree, Mox. I'm a huge fan of uh, bigging up the writers whenever you get a chance. Yeah, and look at Daniel Burt, who's writing yep. for the Weekly at the moment with Charlie Pickering. Yes. I mean, you know, you see a lot of his work at Fairfax. He's just well, he was an intern writer. with yeah. uh, Letterman well, uh, a great, couple of years back. Great writer himself. Yeah, it, yeah Daniel's amazing. Um, Jared McCulloch, yep. who's the head of head the, the Weekly, he and Declan, end of story, they're the writing room for Dirty Laundry Live, mm-hmm. yeah. them and Lawrence. And it's just uh, insane the content that those guys pump out, but totally. that they then spread into other things. It's amazing. Yeah, I agree. Look, I, I'm always uh, pretty amazed at how bulletproof your hide has to be to work in television, but how uh, executives and producers almost demand you to wear your heart on the sleeve so that, you know, they get that great content or they have those great moments. Um, and uh, you could probably correct me on this, Jules. From From what I understand, the white room in and of itself, from a taping perspective, great room to be in, a lot of fun, all of the recording, all the stuff that was recorded. It really became a problem later when it was like the network decided they wanted to be involved in the edit. Well, that's the thing. Like, you know, in any comedy show, I mean, you know, I've done Good News Week. They'll tape for three hours, you know, and you'll see 40 minutes. So, you know, like the reality of anything is, is, is the edit. It's not what happens in the room. And when you don't have control of the edit, you don't have control of, of the reality of what happens. And, and that's the problem. And Channel 7 had to edit for a 7.30 time slot. And what was going on in the room was often, you know, especially you think Lawrence Mooney <laughs> talking about a, a woman on a country practice describing herself as frigid. I mean, you can imagine <laughs> the conversation that happened off the back of that. And it all gets, it all gets edited out. But can I say the funny thing about the white room, and this happens a lot in TV, is shows never get axed. The executive calls you and, and says... On hold. Yeah, we're on hold. <laughs> or we got, hey, guys, we're just going to have a bit of a hiatus. <laughs> oh. a hiatus. So I'm still waiting. Like Sam, I still turn up to the, to, to the white room uh, and hoping we get a call. Again, slightly racist, white room. <laughs> Casually racist. Maybe that killed us. There's an opportunity for uh, some funding maybe to come from the Reclaim Australia. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. I think that the studio should be relocated to Cronulla. <laughs> <laughs> Mandatory, like everybody wears, we'll yeah. be on Cronulla Beach of <laughs> Gentlemen, is there something on the boil? What's happening for, for you guys either individually or together? Where can people see you on the box or on the square tube? Um, well, they can see me on the project. I'm going to do the Mad Max interviews next week. Excellent. Uh, in Hollywood, uh, so um, I, I'm not. I've decided not to interview the cast. I'm just going to get Mel Gibson really pissed. Yeah, I'm just going to watch <laughs> the new one and get his thoughts. Get him score your sugar tits. <laughs> yes, exactly. With a few Russian hookers, so we're just going <laughs> to make him feel right. At- <laughs> well, I dare you to go and stand out the front of his mansion and do a piece to camera just as the lead into the intro. Uh, no, and um, do do a bit of Fox Sports. Sam and I are hoping to get the B League back, which you very kindly mentioned before. We sort of got trapped between a few networks last year with that. But I also do the back page on uh, Fox Sports, which is Tuesday. Yeah, yeah you, you can find my cat videos on YouTube. <laughs> 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 uh, no, to be honest, like I, I'm um, kind of working what, out, what I'm going to do next out at the moment. So, uh, you know, the easiest way to describe it is fun employed. Uh, <laughs> a great showbiz term. Uh, look, it's okay. Um, it's it's a it's an interesting industry. You've got to be mindful of not just doing things because it's there. You've also got to sort of take the things that you think are right for you. So I'm doing the odd bit on the project. Uh, Jules and I are doing a few hosting gigs. We're obviously very much involved with the football. So uh, you know, some A League final stuff coming up. Uh, Tottenham Hotspur English Premier League team are coming to Sydney. I'll be doing that game. Mm-hmm. Um, a few little podcast ideas that I'm working on with some friends. Obviously, trying to knock off Mulks from the top of the pile. Um, yes. No, everything is good. It'll work out, and uh, it's it's been a great time to uh, to have you chatting with us tonight. So thank you very much for having us. Oh, it's my pleasure, gentlemen. Who's your tip to win the A League this year? Melbourne Victory. Hate to say it, Sam and I are both Adelaide United supporters, or we both have sort of a soft spot for them. But I think Melbourne Victory will win. Um, will win. 
But so I'm just wondering how many A-League fans and TV fans, like, <laughs> I'm just hoping that... All right, just, the, just to make it accessible, accessible for everyone, I think Carrie Bickmore is going to win the A-League this <laughs> exactly. year. Steve Peacock, very close second. Exactly. Well, Scott, very, Ka- very Scott Caminetti would be a huge fan of football, wouldn't he, with that surname? <laughs> Mamma mia. Goal! And uh, buy something from Bisley. <laughs> Get all your TV news at MulksTVTalk.com. Gentlemen, how can people find you on the internet now if they want to follow your work, your Twitter, your social media that you would be Where are you? Um, OkCupid, Tinder, RSVP.com, BigBalls.gov.org. That's actually a charity. (laughs) (laughs) No, um, at Jules Schiller, which is my Twitter. That's just Jules and my surname with a C-H. And um, I don't. Uh, I'm on Instagram and things like that. So I, I, I you know, like, and chat roulette as well. So if you remember <laughs> that, I'm st- I'm the only guy left on chat roulette with his pants <laughs> around his ankles, just with a webcam trained at the Ghoulies. Surprise. By Ghoulies, you mean Aria? Aria. Um, okay, so I'm at, at Mr. Sam Mac for Twitter, uh, Instagram Sam Mac Insta, uh, Facebook Sam McMillan, and zero four double one two five one five zero five. Oh, you can check out my MySpace accounts as well. It's, uh, it's going off. So how is the gardening leave going, Sam? Are you done with that from 10? Well, I'm still, like I said before, I'm still waiting for a call to do a live cross from the fish markets. <laughs> you know, I've got lots of puns organised. Sam Mackerel on the scene. You're welcome, guys. Nice. You should start writing for Steve Jacobs because God knows he needs it. <laughs> and where are the, are the Mokies happening? Oh, uh, look, it's been, not, not, not a, I'm going to say they're on hiatus. Oh, oh they're on hold. On, no way. Really? Uh, look, it's it's my day job has impinged with my full time hobby of media commentary You've that changed, hasn't allowed man. for me to get the Mulkies up this year. You have to, and uh, when you're in Sydney, stop by and uh, say hi. Uh, look, only because you said so. Okay, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very much, yeah, Mike. Thanks, mate. My pleasure, gentlemen. Thank you for joining me this week on Mulks TV Talk the podcast. For everyone else, follow me on Twitter at Mulks TV Talk. Find me on Facebook and Instagram at thosethings.com. Slash Mogs TV Talk. Just in all seriousness, like if anyone, because this this fascinates me, if anyone has actually made it to the end of the episode, I always love that. Like people who go the whole distance. We've been talking like an hour or so. Can you yep. send us all a tweet? Like the three of us, yes. send us a tweet. Matt, we need to have some sort of special code or hashtag that they send in that tweet. What do you think it should be, Moxie? Uh Wake up my aria. Wake up my aria. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. Brilliant. Wake up my aria. It is hashtag wake up my aria. Just to prove it. Even if I get one, I'll be happy. Yep. I'll look and I'll schedule one now. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, New Mark. episodes are out Tuesday, so make sure you subscribe via iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. And please do leave a sweet review. Tune in next week when you'll hear Sam Mack say, Wake up my aria. And then you'll hear Jules Schiller say, Check out my balls. Good night. <laughs>